welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Hi, church. Speaking to you, of course, from my home, uh, enjoying uh, day two of lockdown in South Australia. Hopefully it's only for the six days and it's over and done with. Hey, if you're in another state, uh, good I uh, Hope you enjoy it. I hope it's working out really well for you and uh, things are going fine. I want to encourage you, uh, if um, you, we all know people who are alone and who are struggling uh, and are doing it tough, I encourage you, reach out with them, connect with them. Uh, make a phone call or, or find some way to message people that you know that are around you, even in your suburbs, who, uh, who are having it tough, who are doing it difficult. And uh, make sure that we're not alone in this time. Really important to be together. Hey, I, uh, I, I, I want to talk to you today in the part two of our three-part series that we've been working through on Lost. And it's all based on the, the three parables that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. A parable is a story with a meaning, and particularly when Jesus told them, a spiritual meaning. Jesus was great at telling, telling parables, and he told more than anybody else. And uh, we get the benefit of those because they continue with their meaning even to this day. In the New Testament book of Luke, like I've said, Jesus gives us these three parables that focus on things that are lost. And one of the reasons I'm bringing these to you is because I want to make it really clear that that should be our heart as well. That we should be concerned for those who are far away from God as depicted in these parables. The book of Luke is in the New Testament. It's one of the four that contains the eyewitness accounts to that the life of Jesus to the, the life, uh, well, the works, the ways, and the words of Jesus. Now, I know that uh, for us in South Australia, there's major upheaval, but I encourage you, uh, use the time that you have wisely. And even if you um, uh, can go back on YouTube and find uh, the message from last week and, um, and have a look at it, make sure you don't miss these three because they're really important for us as a church. So I want to read to you from Luke 15, the parable of the lost coin. And I'm starting at verse 8, so I've only got a few verses to read to you right now. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Says Luke 15, verse 8. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let me lead you in prayer. Lord, speak to us as we listen to your word today. Help us to understand that for our context at this moment, we need to hear your voice. Speak, because we're all listening. In your name we ask. Amen. In August and September, we did a series called Momentum. And uh, during that series, I mentioned on a number of occasions that we'd actually come back to the similar theme. And uh, so I'm, I'm circulating back to this theme. And also during that time, I talked about us planting churches, going to a season of planting churches. And I said that, and I clearly remember saying that, that to, to us as a community. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned for the lost. We are all concerned for the lost. 
Why? Because the lost matter to God. And this is the reason that I'm bringing this to you, so that we hear God's voice, hear God's heart, know God's motives as he seeks in this world. And you know, there are many, many people in our world, I don't need to tell you this, but, but I remind you that there are many, many people in our world who are far away from God. And they, they are our burden. We have a mandate from God to have them on our heart and they should be on our lips in our prayers. It's what we heard from Jesus, what we see in the life of the early church as we see recorded in the book of the Acts and, as, and the letters as we, as we hear from the Apostle Paul and his heart for those who don't know about Jesus. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we, are, we become Christian muggers and we hit people over the head with scriptures or anything like that, but rather that we, with generous and humility, offer the good news that has changed our lives so wonderfully. We allow others to hear that good news as well and make their own choices. I need to tell you that whenever the church, down through the history of time, has forgotten its key priorities, it quickly dies. Its key priority is to exist for those who don't belong, to make sure that the lost get a chance to hear about the good news of Jesus. You know, God calls us to be light in our community the light of the good news of Jesus. We're going to celebrate that at Christmas time soon, the light coming into the world. But back to Luke chapter 15. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15, which I didn't read to you, but you can easily look at them yourself, uh, we find a reference to the audience that was listening to what Jesus was saying. And in particular, we notice that there are two distinct groups. There is tax collectors and sinners, which is really a nice way of saying there were undesirables and and people that nobody wanted to be around. And then we find the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and these were the ones who were the, supposed to be the closest to God, who had God's heart, who knew about how God wanted to act in the world. But we can easily discern that Jesus was not pleased with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law's conclusion as to his actions. And that's why he told these stories, these parables, to all those who would listen. And it's clear that Jesus does not agree with their views. Their views were that there were people outside of the reach of God, people whom Jesus should not be spending time with. So he tells these parables, and in these parables, he shows the heart of God as it is inclined towards all of humanity, which even includes undesirables and sinners and tax collectors and broken people and outcasts and all those whom society says don't measure up. So today I want to open up this parable as we hear the word of God to us. And my prayer is that we hear how it applies to our present circumstances, even at this very moment. And I trust God speaks to you. It speaks to all of us, actually, to those who have it all together, to those who think they have it all together, those who know they don't have it all together, and those who are just plain confused with what's going on in the world. So like last week, this parable focuses on two things, the lost and the searching and the found and the rejoicing. And so we introduce straight away into a woman who has 10 coins. And and my research tells me that these coins were about a day's wages each. So it's a substantial amount that she has lost. Imagine losing 10% of your superannuation. Some of you have in this last economic times, 10% of your life savings. 10% of the resources that you have 
that would get you through the rest of time. And it seems as if this woman is meant to be portrayed as a poor woman. So again, if you have, a, if you have very little, then a loss like this is keenly felt. For those of you who've heard this parable before, and I know some have, I wonder if you've ever thought about how come she managed to lose this coin. Now, it seems as if history has it that, or society has it in, in, in those days, that she would have been wearing 10 silver coins as a headpiece. And the clasp, it seems, or the whatever the, uh, the silver wire that was holding these 10 pieces together would have become, would have become away and allowed this, co this coin to be lost. So I have it on good authority that married of a mark, the mark of a married woman oops, uh, was a headdress made of 10 silver coins like Jesus was referring to, and they were linked together with a silver chain. So in a day and age where most people were hand to mouth, and what that means is what you earned that day, you spent on that night's food, it would have taken years to amass the amount to have this headdress. 10 silver coins. Think about it like this. This headdress is equivalent to a wedding and engagement ring. It was unmistakably hers and it could not be taken from her even if her family were in great debt. It could well have been one of those particular coins that was in Jesus' parable and I'm suggesting to you right now that it is. Imagine, imagine us all searching for a wedding and engagement ring that we had lost and the meaning that it contains. So Jesus is clear. He's telling us the value of this coin. And it's not just a 20 cent or a 50 cent that's gone, a $2 coin that's gone down the back of the couch or rattle around in the ashtray. This coin represents huge intrinsic value. That's what the original hearers would have heard. They would have sucked their breath in to hear that the coin had been lost and would have been in grins that the woman should search and she should search hard for it. I think that's important that in this description of a woman, Jesus is showing us that it's not someone who has it all together. A woman who's been to, to Bible college or who has her finances or relationships or life in order. There's no mention of that. There's, there's no prerequisite here. It's a woman, a person, ordinary person like you and I. And I've got to tell you that God specializes in using the ordinary people like us. In this case, we can see that God has been cast in the betrayal of the woman who loses the coil. Like the shepherd from last week, God assumes a human persona, one that we can relate to. One that is not high in the social standing. In fact, people like this are very low on the rung of societal understanding. These were not A-listers. Shepherds were not trusted. And a woman alone was almost an unseen presence in that community. So let's just think about that. God uses the ordinary for the extraordinary. God uses the ordinary to tell the stories about the heart of God. So you've heard it said from me and others countless times. Sarah honed in on this the other day when she preached on Rahab. God can and indeed wants to use all of us for his goodness in this world, for his purposes in this world, or the Christian term for that is for his glory. And so I say to you, your past does not excuse you from the economy of God. Your status does not disqualify you. Having met Jesus, you are fully equipped to step into the role that God has for you in this world. 
When you accept Jesus into your life, he takes away your old, and here's the good news, takes away the old and replaces it with the new. Sometimes this is immediate and people have amazing transformations. But for the most of us, this takes time and does it over the journey. So let me say it clearly. All of us who know Jesus are enabled to serve the world. And that means even to share the good news that has so changed us. And there are lots of ways to share the good news. So the woman loses the coin. Back to the parable. A coin that has huge value. A coin that we could say represents lost people in our world. People who are far away from God. Now, obviously, it was dark in her house. And in those days, a very little uh, light was coming in because they didn't have glass. And so there was only small windows in the place. And she lights a lamp to throw some illumination. Uh, again, we need, to, we need to hear what the original hearers would have heard and understood. Concrete uh, floors with tiles or, tiles or vinyl or, or timber floors had not been invented. And this woman would have had a simple dirt floor with straw or bits of, of river reed. Um, flattened out and put all over it to, to stop the dust rising up when you, when you trod on it all the time. And so it would have been dark, even with the lamp, and difficult to find a coin, even if she'd lost it, and she knew where she lost it, in her own house. So she lights a lamp and begins to sweep. And I can imagine everything getting swept out of the house so that she can examine the whole contents of the, of the floor out the front in the light. And even in a small house, this is a big job and it's going to require some effort. And like last week, the person who is cast in the place of God has to go to a lot of work. God is not immobile in this world when it comes to finding those who are lost, those who are far away, those who, who are hidden in the dusty and the covered corners of the house. Even if they don't know they're lost or they don't know how to find their way back to God. The original hearers would have been shocked to know that God comes looking for them. That, that, that's outside of their thinking. But we know, having heard this parable from Jesus, and we love a great God who cares for each and every one of his creation and comes searching for us and looking for us. And even if it requires hard work on his behalf, he does it. And laying aside everything else, he goes looking for the one that has come unattached to the rest. The one that should be in this beautiful, rightful place. This one that has intrinsic value. This one that has been carefully saved for and wanted. God goes looking. And again, when Jesus tells this parable, like he did last week, when Jesus tells this parable, uh, it is a question that has an apparent answer. Now, verses 8 and 9 in English don't show it as clearly as, as what it could be. But the end point or the high point of Jesus' parable is in the finding. And so the woman searches for what, that which was lost and then she finds it and she's so happy and she's not in South Australia and she's not in lockdown. So she runs out the door down the street and she yells out, I've found it, I've found it, I've found it. Now that means, uh, well, I, I'm assuming that she's was, been looking for it and people around her knew that she was looking for it. And she says, come let us be happy together. I found that which was lost. Let's celebrate. You know, last week in the parable of the lost sheep and this week in the parable of the coin, we've heard twice that there is great celebration when that which is lost is found. This is not just a story of finding either. Let me tell you, this is a story of celebration. 
So you get the point that Jesus was making. When we find our way back into meaningful relationship with God, we are celebrated. God not only cares. Yep, that's great. Fantastic. Tick. No, stop everything and party and celebrate. God rejoices. Celebrates. Make sure that heaven knows that this is good. My friends, if you've never been in a relationship with God, if you've never had one with Jesus, if you've never been close to Jesus, then my friends, I wish you would. I wish you would open up to him, open up inside of you, the deep parts of inside of you, and see what he has to say to you, because he is not silent. He's speaking and he's searching and he's looking for you, even you. You know, last week I ended with a question. If you can discover what's going on in heaven, what does that mean for how things are meant to be on earth? Now, I'm not sure if many of you have had much of a think about it. I hope you have. It's a significant, significant question, and the answer is really quite deep. In verse 10, we read this. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, like last week, we get a picture of heaven. The curtain is pulled back and we are privileged to see what happens in response to an event, a single event, a one person event that's happening here on earth. The event is that someone decides that their life on that life on their own is not worth it and throws their lot in with God. Jesus uses that word repent, which means literally turning around a 180 degree change in direction, turning around from our way and following the way of, of God. When someone repents, heaven gets pretty excited and the, I can imagine the big red fun party button is pushed and it all gets pretty hectic. The angels throw a party and, 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 and it all goes crazy. Celebration. And I don't know of many other things, and I've been thinking about this during the week, that are recorded in the Bible that move heaven in a way like someone coming to know Jesus in a personal, meaningful way. So I want to give you an application if you are a follower of Jesus today. We know that people who are far away from God matter to God. And twice now we've heard parables that depict God working and searching and looking for the things that are lost. Twice now we've discovered there is a sense of urgency in the looking. Twice now we've seen that heaven celebrates the returning of that which was lost and the redemption, the, the saving the resolving of all sins of someone who repents, someone who turns around. Jesus is telling us what is important to God, and that means what is important to us. We're hearing clearly what our focus should be as a church and as a church corporate and as members who make up that church. And I'm going to drill right down on this next week, but the fact is staring us in our face. Our consuming passion should be for those who don't know about Jesus. Those who've never had the chance to hear the gentle and gracious and loving message about Jesus. Indeed, it should be more than just writing it on our wall. It should be embodied and lived out in everything that we do. In fact, I go so far to say, if we are not doing this, then we're missing the point. Now, I know... Excuse me, it's not COVID. <clears throat> I know that some will feel guilty that we are not sharing our faith and they'll feel guilty that, oh, 
I'm not good enough at doing this and I should be doing that and whoa, 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 just, let's just slow down. Because I want to say this, God is not looking for your perfection. That's why it's important that we resonate with the woman, not a perfect woman. That's why we resonate with a shepherd, not someone fantastic or a scholar or anything like that. God is not looking for our perfection, but our willingness. That's a really big message for us to hear. God is not looking for our perfection, but our willingness. What God is asking us at this moment as a church is to incline our hearts towards him and to say this, yes, God, if an opportunity comes before me, I will do my best to show that I have hope in you. That's all you need to do. It's as simple as that. Nothing altogether, just an a heart that's inclined to be soft towards God and the opportunities he brings before you. So I have a challenge for you. I had a challenge for you last week and I have a challenge for you this week. Right at this very moment in homes all around you and people that you and I know, there are heaps of people who are very scared and very afraid and they are lonely and they're struggling. What you and I can do in a real practical way is to show that we have a higher hope. That yes, life is pretty average at the moment and we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. We don't know how many rolls of toilet paper are going to be left. But that we have a confidence that God will bring us through. And so last week I offered a challenge to take someone out for coffee and to see if this opens up a chance to share faith. Obviously, there's a little bit of a spanner of that works in South Australia, but don't worry, that will eventuate. This week, I wonder if you can find one way to let another person around you know that our emotions, that your emotions are not bound by circumstances, but, but bound in the God who searches, finds, and rejoices in you. We don't have to respond by fear because we have a great and wonderful God who is caring for us and looking for us like a shepherd looking for a sheep and like a woman looking for their engagement ring. I know you have a heart for those who are lost as well. It's not just me. I know you have a heart for those who are far away from God. I wonder this week if you would make one phone call, one contact with someone whom you know might be afraid and scared, someone who, who doesn't yet know about the love of Jesus, and for you to reflect on to them a higher reality, a foundation that is secure. I know you can do it. I believe in you. I trust you. Go for it, church. Let me lead us in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. That you are like a woman searching for a coin. That you do not rest. You empty the whole place. You bring illumination in order to find us. Lord Jesus, may we reflect that in the world around us. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.